Hi, I'm Hassel. And I'm JP. And this is Pulled Corks Podcast. All right, everybody, we're back again. Sorry we took a little bit of a break for the holidays, and happy holidays, everyone. Happy holidays. This will be the last episode this year. We had a lot of work on our plate. The SOM event is over, and it was a huge success. Let's sum it up a little bit. Yeah, I think there were some surprises at the uh, SOM event. First of all, we did a blind tasting. So I, I just got 10 kilometer radius around the city of Landau where we had the screening and was picking like from a pre-selected list from a magazine of the best Pinot Noirs of the region. So I got six bottles from the wineries, most of them sponsored or for a very good price. They were all supporting the event. Again, thank you to all six wineries. We had the six bottles randomly mixed up with the two winning wines from Somme. For anybody who hasn't seen the movie yet, we will not tell you the wines. Just there was one really good one from Burgundy, a premier crew, and one from uh, California. So we randomly mixed them up into that lineup of six wines, and the result was interesting to say the least you can blame it on uh, the palates of the people being calibrated for the local wines but it wasn't only locals we had some wine journalists there we had winemakers there some other people from the industry like wine uh, importers for italian wine it was a really interesting mix of more than i would say like 60 percent professionals and other guests so it hugely successful event. It was such a moment to see the Somme logo popping up on that big screen. Oh, I can only imagine. And in in this really old cinema building. So as soon as you're back, we will get on planning to get the other two parts of Somme on the screen. Yeah, I just actually watched those again earlier today. (laughs) Thinking (laughs) of it. So yeah, also a big... uh, Shout out to uh, Jason Wise and everyone over at uh, Forgotten Man Films for uh, giving us this opportunity. Yeah, for sharing it on social media, giving us all that support, uh, sending us a Blu-ray disc directly from Hollywood to Germany with the subtitles because our technology wasn't uh, the latest state of the art, so we weren't able to stream it. So we got it to to replay it from a disc. But it all went... All went well. It all went well, and then uh, now we've had uh, Christmas, and you've had a pretty good uh, Christmas dinner. It looked like from all the pictures you sent me. I'm I'm still working abroad and had a different, a minimal Christmas dinner, but I still had some decent wine. But you had a really, really good lineup. What What did you? Uh, what did you? We what can you share with us? We went absolutely classic. So we had like classic examples of uh, French wines and only French. We stayed in the, in the area of French because most of the food was French themed so we, we just paired. So we started out with a very nice bottle of Roder Cristal Champagne which is kind of high-end champagne. Oh yeah, it's all the rappers drink Cristal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the problem was our uh, hugely expensive bottle was corked. So that Ooh. was the bummer just at the beginning of the Christmas dinner. We yeah. didn't have any placement uh, chilled, so yeah, it was barely drinkable, and really uh, did 
perform at the level uh, you would expect uh, Red Hera Crystal to perform. The yeah, acid was stinks. But <laughs> anything on the aroma and flavor side was just like covered by that moldy, wet cardboard. Oh, what a shame. You get a bottle of Crystal and it's corked. So if anyone from Rotor is listening to us right now, <laughs> my boy here got corked wine from you guys. Hook him up. Hook him up. I, That's a... I mean, today it's, it's possible to scan each and every cork mm-hmm. and sort them out. And if you think about the price you're taking for that bottle. Oh, yeah. That that's one or two euros to get each cork checked. Might be a good investment to save us from that disappointment. Especially, what was it, a 180-euro bottle? <laughs> or more? Not, not much. I, I got it much cheaper. Oh, well, I'm glad you got a deal on it then. Because <laughs> it usually runs about $180. So Yeah. No. Mm. I'm I'm in working in the wine industry. I I have my sources, so that's I, I don't pay like retail for, for that kind. Of <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's good. <laughs> <laughs> so it was corked. So that uh, for the people that don't know what that is, there is a uh, a mold that can grow on uh, the bark of the uh, cork tree, the cork yeah. oak tree. And uh, it does. It's not really much of a problem unless, uh, well, it reacts with uh, a chemical they use to clean their corks. Mm. Uh, it's what is it? Uh, trichloroanisole, I think. No, that's the compound it produces. This is, okay, I'm sorry. That's the compound it produces. TCA, just to make it easy, TCA, we'll call it TCA. Yeah. 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 yeah it interacts with these other chemicals that are left by usually from cleaning agents in the corks like things that they've used to uh sterilize them when they soak the corks and it and uh yeah it's nasty yeah with the the mold in the cork and produces that very characteristic and highly contaminative uh, substance i actually was listening to a podcast with um who is it uh, the guy who did the scratch and sniff guide to wine mm-hmm. and he said he actually wanted to do the, the tca smell in the book but he wasn't allowed because it's so contaminated oh yeah and it it has a, that chemical has a very uh, low recognition threshold so at very low concentrations it can still be very very noticeable yeah so yeah richard betts is his name master sommelier Mm-hmm. and author of the Scratch and Sniff Guide to Wine and to Whiskey. And ah. I really recommend those books if you're a new newbie, just to, to get into the, the topic and uh, into aromatics and blind tasting and all that stuff. Yeah, I actually have that Scratch and Sniff borrowed from you, I think. It's in my ah. house back in Germany. And uh, I also happened to see they were using that same book on an episode of the, the sitcom uh, Big Bang Theory. <laughs> so I saw that book on that, that show as well. It's a great book. Yeah, yeah, it really is. It, it really uh, gets in there and breaks some things down. And uh, yeah, but it has that, it's unrecognizable, I mean, it's very recognizable smell. Like he says, like wet cardboard, moldy. It's just, it's gross. You know, yeah. It doesn't smell like anything you want to drink. It's not going to hurt you. Yeah, I mean it's not poison. The, or the worst about it is it's it's masking everything in that wine. It's basically like tuning everything down. Yeah, it's the only thing you're going to smell. The only thing you're going to taste. Yeah, it's horrible. Yeah, but yeah, it's a natural product that cork 
and it's not avoidable uh, without taking like kind yeah kind of big costs so like a little tiny boutique winery will not be able to to do that but mm -hmm. yeah somebody like Rotara or a big uh, uh, premier crew Medoc estate they would be able to do it All right and for that price I kind of expected yeah exactly exactly you shouldn't be getting corked wine from Rotorer, especially if you're buying Cristal no but uh, well I guess uh, that's what we're going to talk about today we're going to talk about some faults that you might find in your wine and yeah. that's the first one TCA <laughs> or if you yeah. it's when you ever hear people say their wine is corked or a cork taint is another word for yeah. it and uh, another one is uh, well there's sulfur dioxide that, that's yeah. you know the sulfites, sometimes they can go overboard on that. Too much uh, SO2, you get those uh, burnt matches smell. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah. Uh, that happens a lot in the Mosul. Mm -hmm. yeah, usually goes away with uh, enough air, so you can decant those things and right. yeah, getting better then. Yes, and, uh, and it, when you're talking about the Mosul, that, it makes sense because uh, the higher the, the acidity or the, the lower the pH... The, the more noticeable that that smell will be. Then there's uh, hydrogen sulfide, H2S. Yeah. Um, that's when uh, a wine with a lot of sulfur is in an atmosphere with the complete absence of oxygen. I guess... Yeah, so uh, had, with the VDP estates in Germany, they had a huge problem when they introduced the screw caps. Now ah. you have screws that get, give you micro-oxidation uh, yes. membrane. But with the first screw caps, they were completely airtight. Mm -hmm. So they had a huge problem with this, uh, yeah, the sulfur without oxygen problem. Yeah, and that gives you this uh, literally a rotten egg yeah. Uh, aroma. Yeah, it's... Uh, the funny thing is uh, you, you can uh, get rid of it with, a, with copper. So just get a copper penny and throw it in there mm. and, and in your decanter. And in 80% of the cases, you get rid of that smell. Well, there you minute. go. <laughs> <laughs> Easy fix for that. Then we'll have to. You know, we'll have to. Uh, it'd probably be hard to find to find one that's going to have the faults. But uh, yeah. if we ever do I, come I across, I actually it. know a guy uh, who does it for the the sommelier school in Germany who mm. produces faulty wines. He has mm -hmm. a micro vinification at home, uh, and he can produce any kind of faulty wine on purpose. Because we should do the. Uh, the copper test live on air, yeah. See, yeah. Uh, see how that and turns he out for us. Told me that with the copper. Okay, cool. So if you uh, don't have a really, really bad case of it, uh, the copper might help. So copper, throw a penny in there. <laughs> Sounds good. And uh, mercap, uh, was it mercaptan? Yeah. Yes, mercaptan is another one. That is uh, uh, ethyl mercaptan. Um, it's sulfur and ethanol, and it. Uh, it's almost like uh, smells like it would go well with Italian food, but it actually doesn't. <laughs> it's like an oniony, garlicky, um, yeah. very vegetable uh, odors you'll get, but not good ones. Uh, not something you would want in your wine. So I know I, I don't know if they do this the same in Europe, but in, with natural gas in the U.S. Ooh, yeah. They add this to the natural gas to give it that uh, a smell because it's normally it's odorless. So they put it in there that way so you can detect a leak, you know. 
Yeah. So that's that's the chemical that they use is ethyl mercaptan. So anybody listening that's ever been around a gas leak or smelled natural gas, that's that's the smell. Mm. It, but in wine, it can also give a little bit of a, a garlicky aroma to it as well. Yeah, it, it's pretty rare. I never actually. Yeah, I've never up. came across that either. That's a rare one too. I, I got that from the that certified specialist of wine book. I was reading through it, and <laughs> that's why I came across that one. <laughs> but uh, I mean, it's something to learn. And but it's yeah. The other ones are pretty common. Uh, you you can encounter them like a lot. Some of them are things that people like, mm. like yeah, Brett. Yeah, Brett, I, I wouldn't even call that a fault. Like, that's a definition thing. Like, in some areas of the world, Brett is belonging to the terroir and they, they want it. In some places, it's, it's kind of yeah. one of those, <laughs> the eye of the beholder things, you know? Yeah. Um, Especially when you get into Italy, some some of the classic wine faults they teach you here in Germany. Mm -hmm. um, there, there's another one we call it uh, like a atypical aging note when you have a young wine that tastes older than it actually is. Right. Um, and it has that uh, distinctive smell of acacia. In in a Pinot Grigio from Veneto, it's a desirable note, and they want it to have that note mm -hmm. in the Pinot Grigio. In a German Grauburgunder, it would be a fault. Right. So it's, it's in the eye of the beholder, and it's a cultural thing, too. Yeah. Actually, as soon as I get back, I'm uh, going to be brewing a beer with uh, Brett. So. Yeah, I want to do that. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, but Brett, it's uh, short for uh, uh, Brettanomyces. Yeah, it's it's a it's a mold basically. Yeah, it, actually, it's just a it's a it's a member of the yeast family. Yeah. So it's uh, it, it is a yeast. It's just uh, one that does make some interesting, like uh, it smells like a horse or a barn. Uh, yeah, exactly. That barnyard horse smell. Mm -hmm. so Sometimes it'll smell like a bandaid. You would be disappointed not having that bread. Yeah, actually, as you say, I'm drinking a glass of uh, Brunello di Montalcino right now. So I've got a little bit of that uh, barn. You, you want that, that yeah. kind of one. Exactly. Uh, the other big example is Southern Rhone. Some Chateauneuf de Pape have it. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of the, the Cote de Rhone from the south. And, and for them, it's desirable. They wouldn't, they wouldn't counteract just because they have bread in the wine. Right. But it also, it's a quantity thing, too. Uh, you don't want it overdone. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely had a few that were just ugh, could barely even drink them there. So, <laughs> yeah. especially when you go to to the natural side of it. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, but there's a few other bacteria-related ones. Uh, you can get yeah. uh, ethyl acetate uh, that yeah. smells like uh, fingernail polish remover. Yeah, you know, like acetone earlier mm -hmm. some natural wines go really overboard with that one and uh, i i really don't like that yeah yeah, yeah i'm not a, i'm not a fan of of that either the uh lactic acid can be uh, a fault um can be beautiful too it can it can it's uh, sometimes it just gives you like this nice creamy buttery 
aromas and flavors and sometimes though you can get like um it'll yeah, smell like a goat <laughs> the 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 sauerkraut road okay. yeah exa- or the sour yeah exactly exactly yeah. um acetic acid uh that's that's vinegar that's basically when the wine is going over over the top and yep. uh, declines into mm-hmm. vinegar uh butyric acid uh, yeah. You'll definitely notice that one. Um, That's I don't, horrible. <laughs> yeah. Like rotten cheese, <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, <clears throat> we, we did that prank in high school once and put uh, butyric acid in our teachers' cars. <laughs> oh boy! Air conditioning. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, that's cruel. That's cruel and unusual, right there. That's uh, man. Yeah. That's awful. <laughs> I'm gonna turn your air conditioner on and get a nice blast of rancid butter in the face. <laughs> uh, uh, but some things, just like we we're talking, uh, some people don't consider some things a fault, like oxidation. Yeah. Um, I mean, oxygen wines do oxidize the older they get. You know, even with a cork or, or with modern cap uh, twist tops, they uh, slowly, that's how wines age. They age by slowly oxidizing and changing. And and uh, mm-hmm. But sometimes, you know, they get a little bit uh, too far, you know. They go a little and overboard. And, but sometimes you want it. You want that with sherry. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want that with Madeira. Yeah, and a lot of Jura wines. But Madeira is a little bit different. You're... you're that's uh, oxid oxidizing due to heat, yeah. <laughs> off green uh, flavors like uh, leaves. Sometimes that's just from using uh, grapes that weren't ready to be harvested yet. A little overzealous yeah. in the vineyard. Yeah, uh, yeasty. I mean, some sometimes you don't want that in your wine. Like I've never had a yeasty or lazy riesling. You know. <laughs> Oh, I had one and it was actually great. Was it? Oh well, then I stand corrected. There we go. Yeah, there we go. That was one of the things I, I had a big discussion at um, at WSET because they didn't believe me that there's uh, on the lees riesling, but there's a couple of people who make it and very successfully. Mm-hmm. But I mean, there, there, there's lots of things: moldy, rubbery, um, yeah. stimmy. Lots of lots of different things, uh, but these were the yeah. big ones. I think we covered the big ones just now. I mean, and this is not typical. This is not something you usually get. If you're buying your wine from a grocery store or something, you're probably not going to be able to return it most of the time. But most wine shops, you could just stick the cork back in and take it in there. And if they're worth their salt and they know what they're doing, they'll be able to be like, "Yep, you're right. I sold you crap." <laughs> Another uh, reason why you shouldn't. Buy uh, your wine at a grocery store and just buy it at a at a wine shop, a proper wine shop. Yeah, well, if you can, <laughs> if you happen to be near a wine shop, you should. But not everybody is. Uh, what did uh, oh, um, what did Felix uh, Adelman say? Um, you you buy your steak at a grocery store, right? So why not buy your wine there? <laughs> yeah. One more fault, maybe we could talk about. Um, it's it's the mouse, the mousey taint. You you have a lot in uh, natural wines. Mm-hmm. They 
smells like a mouse cage. <laughs> oh, yeah, you don't want that. So uh, it smells like a combination of uh, cedar chips and uh, feces. <laughs> mouse feces, basically. Yeah. And sometimes that mouse taint is, is really interesting uh, because sometimes it develops over time. And you don't know when you make the wine, but a year or two later, it, it's coming out. Well, that's just awful. <laughs> so, yeah, you, you will miss it when it, when it's in its beginning state, mm. and then you get a mouse taint like a year or two later. Oh, yeah, that uh, that doesn't sound uh, sound that doesn't sound tasty. It's, it's at all. also like I think it's it's kind of a volatile acidity compound that is developing in that wine. Really, so it's a weird thing happening in in a couple of yeah I, I've encountered it mostly with natural wine mm -hmm. so they, they make a perfectly fine wine and then uh, you buy that bottle and <laughs> open it a year later and it might be microbially completely destroyed mm, man oh well <laughs> the risk you take you know <laughs> oh so, wow yeah it's, it's an odd you know in in and of itself uh, to to identify that in an early stage mm. and counteract in yeah. the cellar yeah jeez so, so yeah there's our wine faults uh, and there are more but these are the most common ones actually the most common one is probably cork taint uh i haven't really come across that the other one much um i've came across a couple of faults that i uh i didn't um I couldn't identify. I wasn't quite sure what they were, but I knew something was off. But uh, like I said, if you get this from a wine shop, don't be shy about yeah. uh, returning it. You know, the especially with the cork taint, even in a restaurant setting, don't. Yeah, I, I had to call out a waiter on another bottle of champagne, like just two days before the Rotera incident, mm. because I I had a a Duval uh, that was heavily corked, a rosé. Yeah, and my family, oh. they were just like, "Oh, that must be oaked age, or yeah, it's kind of off." And I was like, "No, no, that's cork." So I had to call the waiter, and um, yeah, he didn't. He was a young guy, so he didn't really know what to do. He wasn't well trained, right? So I was, like, yeah. Even if I have to pay it, open another bottle, compare the two bottles, and you will see. And then his face was instantly lighting up when he smelled. The second bottle, and he was like, "Yeah, no, no, I see what you're talking about." Yeah, I, I think the the last time I was in a restaurant, I had to send one back. I was in Bulgaria, and I had ordered a uh, a Pinot Noir, and it came out, and it was completely baked. Like uh -huh. they must have had this thing sitting beside an oven or something, because it was like uh, jam, you know. <laughs> it was like jam. Like I could have. If it were thicker, I could have just put it on some bread and <laughs> or some toast. <laughs> Basically, like the 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 Faustino. All the first. Faustino I left in the back of my we car in the summertime. Summer. Yeah, that that bubbled through the cork. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's our own fault. <laughs> so everybody, I guess this is going to be a short one today. Uh, we are absolutely exhausted. We've been going at it hard. We've had the movie and yeah. the holidays and uh, everything else going on. My work that I'm doing here abroad has been really keeping me busy. Good news is, in less than one month, 
I'll be back in Germany. And so. then we go hammering at it hard. We will definitely get the two other song films here, maybe other wine movies. We will get back at doing our wine courses. We will also be, yes, the wine courses. We need to get back to that so as soon as I get back. Fill the coffers a little bit. Get ready for, for ProVine and the Natural Wine Fair. And ProVine. That is right. And we will definitely be coming to you guys from ProVine. That's the largest uh, trade wine trade show in the world. It's in Dusseldorf, Germany every year. It's massive. Absolutely yeah. massive. So yeah. I plan on Last seeing... time we spent two days there and we could barely cover everything. Like it, we even like walking through everything was was a challenge within that time yeah yeah just uh this year i want to try to see some of the areas that i couldn't get to last year i mean it's just massive it's just that yeah. big and uh so we got all that going on we got the classes coming up it's uh we're going to be busy unfortunately i'll be home for a week and then i got to leave again for a few days uh, i need to go to england and uh, visit with a uh, sick friend, and then I'll be back, and we'll be hitting it hard. We'll be hitting it really hard. And then I'll be in the U.S. this summer. Uh, I'll probably hit. Uh, I'll be on the East Coast. I may try to hit a couple wineries in uh, Virginia, and maybe Maryland as well. Let's see what they have going on. If anyone from the D.C. area is listening, I will be popping into a few random bars and. Uh, Doing some reviews, some restaurants and, and, and bars, so watch out for me. <laughs> Once we will be able to do the recordings together again and at a different time schedule, we need to get interviews because the, the song movie kind of opened the door for us uh, to do interviews with a couple of people from the movies. We need mm -hmm. to schedule something with them. Yes, we're definitely going to have some interviews lined up. At our current scheduling uh so once you're back we will get on that too absolutely so all right everyone i guess that's oh, it. something something important oh what's that the, the, re the results of the song tasting we didn't get to that oh <laughs> the results of the song tasting well we won't name the we'll name the winner because it's not yeah. in the movie yeah we the the one one of the interesting things was we we had all these people tasting the wines blind from from the canters with numbers mm -hmm. and they they got sticky notes in different colors to put them on the wall next to the song poster and then we counted just the the sticky notes for a ranking of the wines so it was just they should pick their favorite wine out of the eight wines we presented so the the funny thing was that the two winning wines uh, from the movie didn't score much, like the Burgundy zero, and the California two votes out of the whole audience. The false wines all performed better than the wines from the movie, like all of them, even even the small winery, unknown winery stuff. So. I kind of blame, blame it on the, the, the palate of the people just calibrated on false. So it was hard for them to do the, uh, to appreciate the Burgundy probably. I've I don't know. Maybe they were just better. <laughs> I got an idea. When I get home, since I have not had the wines from the movie yet, yeah. 
and I have not had this particular wine from the Fowls yet. Yeah. I, you will have to give them uh, to me blind. You will do a blind tasting. That will be interesting. I'll yeah. do a blind I'll tasting. I have a couple of bottles from the Fowls left. And so I can do it. Awesome. Little, yeah. We can do it at your bar. Just record it there. Yeah. Um, here's the thing. Now, I always say this. Now, I might be wrong this time because you, you told me it's, it, it doesn't stand out like, like the others. But I've always felt like I could pick out Faust, Pinot Noir, Spätburgunder any time. Like I feel like I've never, I would never fail at picking out a, a, a Pinot from the Falls. So we'll see. So we'll see. Yeah, let's see. Yeah. I'm really curious that this thing won. You know, <laughs> but it could be the local tongues. It could just be better. So we'll find out. I want to come in non-biased, and I'll, I'll try them both. And I have no idea. Of course, I mean, who am I? <laughs> you know, it's not like I'm. I'm the ju- I'm the judgment of Landau or something like who gives a shit what I think you know but <laughs> it'll be fun <laughs> it'll, oh, be, yeah, it'll be fun that, we had in that lineup we had two uh, pretty famous uh, VDP estates a completely unknown village winery from, from the outskirts of Landau um, some other like good producers some uh, one uh, big producer uh, with his pr- premium pinot noir mm. and um also the the winner we had the winner that is uh, the wine good bernhard koch in heinfeld it's a little village just outside of landau and interesting is uh, his winemaker is a young japanese lady so it's a kind of a conservative uh, winery very like they speak the local dialect they they look like a mom and pop shop and then their wine winemaker is a, a japanese lady uh, a young female from from an asian country so that's kind of a surprise now but she uses wa- uh, french oak correct he uses french oak quite heavily mm-hmm. uh, it's a ground reserve so that spent a lot of time in oak too uh, See, this might be the difference because I think it could be the German oak that gives a lot of those false pinots mm. that distinctive flavor and aroma. Yeah, probably. Because I always pick out this little bit of like a greasy smoked pork. Yeah. Uh, almost bacon, which is good, but it's different. And it's very different from burgundy style or... Or California or Washington. Yeah. So, hmm. So that might be the diff. That might be the key difference to to that to that wine. Is that French oak? So we'll see. I can't wait. I can't wait to do this. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that the VDP estates they use French oak, and the, the little village winery they also used a, a tonnellerie from Burgundy. Well, I've definitely had those same flavors from the VDPs before. So. Hmm. I, I don't think you know those two particular states yet. So I don't. Be I don't. I don't know them. So this will be really interesting little blind setup. And yeah, I can't I, wait. I'll see what I have left over from the tasting. Mm-hmm. Some of the bottles were just like uh, they, they liked it that much that I had to sell it to them. 
Oh, understandable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Understandable. So, uh, so yeah, anyway. we had clear winner. Um, the second place was like a three-way tie between mm -hmm. uh, three different estates. So very interesting result of the blind tasting. And it was interesting to see the winemakers watching that movie and see how the reputation of wine is made abroad. They were oblivious about all that. Many of them didn't even know Jancis Robinson, which was surprising. Wow, yeah. Yeah, because those names, other parts of the world are very, uh, very big names. <laughs> yeah. Stephen Spurrier, yeah. they're actually named somewhere. I saw some outside of this winery, they actually named yeah, the Stephen Spurrier. Claude Duval actually uh, named their entrance. Uh, That's Stephen right, Spurrier. yeah. <laughs> yep, Stephen Spurrier Lane. <laughs> Yeah, and Steven Spurrier, he's the guy. He was behind the uh, the uh, the Judgment of Paris uh, that uh, we have mm. talked about in the past. Uh, I wrote a blog about it. It's on our website. Uh, I think I did a solo podcast about it, I think. I don't remember. Yeah. We've done so I many now. I article about it. I did write an article. That's what it was. It was just the article about it. Yeah, so you go read that article. I'll put the link uh, in the... Uh, description of this uh, podcast so you guys can go check that out but Stephen Spurrier is behind that and that's what kind of gave him a name for himself it was a very unpopular name it made for him for a while but uh, in the long run you know it really benefited him and a lot of other people the whole judgment so I think we've covered everything we need to cover for today yeah I think we did it I'm getting yeah. ready for the last Christmas dinner tonight Oh boy! Yeah, <laughs> three, three days of whining and dining. Yeah, you better go for a run. <laughs> yeah, I, I, will, I have the best running course here, just through the vineyards. Mm-hmm. All right, everyone. So uh, from us here at Pulled Corks, happy holidays, you know, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, um, Happy Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, whatever it is <laughs> you uh, you do. Enjoy Do it, it happily. Have a couple of good bottles. Yes, have some good wine. Uh, how about everyone who's listening, shoot us an email. Uh, tell us what you had for Christmas. Send us some pictures, stuff. We'd be happy to put it on the website. Yeah, and the Facebook page. Oh, yeah, and the Facebook. We, yeah, we'll, yeah, send us whatever you got. Send us your dinner. Send us your wine. I don't care if you got a bottle of Two Buck Chuck, you know, if that's what you like. That's what you like. Send it to us. We won't make fun of you. I promise. Not in public. <laughs> but uh, so uh, I guess that's it. That wraps it up. Everybody enjoy the new year, and we will be coming back to you right after the new year. Yeah. So see you in 2019. Yeah. As soon as you're back, we'll get on interviews and stuff like that. Absolutely. So goodbye, everybody, and cheers. Bye. Have a good year.